Welcome to Nerds at the Roundtable, a podcast on a quest for quality pop culture. I'm Jamie. And I'm Dwayne. And I'm Sammy. And on this episode, we are reviewing one of Sammy's picks. Uh, Sammy, what did we watch and why on earth did you put us through this? Now, now, now this wasn't my pick. Oh, that's right. This you're throwing you some undue shade there, Mr. Sir. That's right. I forgot. It's been, look, man, it's been a week. <laughs> it, has, it has been a week. It this, has been. this this was a piece of joy laid upon our round table by one of our Facebook followers. <laughs> I, I was basing off the schedule I looked at earlier this today. Like when I, when I was making the outline for this show, I looked at the outline. I see your your pick is next. Is what I'm thinking. Of. Yes, my pick is next. Yeah, that's what got me mixed up. Yes, our <laughs> listeners did this to us. Um, <laughs> I'm not previewing my grade or anything. <laughs> well, gentlemen, we are reviewing a 1991 film by Barry Sonnefeld. The last time we had the pleasure of a Barry Sonnefeld film was Men in Black. But this time we're reviewing The Addams Family, 1991. And I believe this was his directorial debut, was it not? Oh, I didn't. I didn't go digging that far, but I did look at a little bit of his filmography because I, as I was watching the movie, I said, "This feels like something. Mm-hmm. This feels that, like." Something. And that's what made me realize, okay, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Men in Black. I'm looking at you know some of these kind of paint by numbers almost movies. Mm-hmm. But you see, not that it's necessarily a bad thing, but it, it just kind of had a flavor. Oh yeah. Well, even like the way some of the things are shot. I mean, it, 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 it has a men in black feel to it. Like, it made perfect yeah. sense. So I, I didn't connect the dots either right away. Then I saw, so I looked up, well, who directed this? So, like, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah that totally that makes that. total sense when you, yeah, when you look at the director. You know, a lot of people think, yeah, a lot of people think that Tim Burton directed this just because of some of the sensibilities in this movie. Well, he so. was supposed to be a director. They did some pre production with Tim Burton. Mm-hmm. Oh, I could, I could and, see that in some of the styles. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. And he, and he dropped out. Well, you know, this is a creepy and kooky movie, so. <laughs> Before we uh, get uh, in-depth from the Adams Family, I think we need to keep it 100. It's time to keep it 100. 100. 100. 100. All right, and I am leading off the Keeping 100 this week. I had to make an adjustment because I had a Keeping It 100 in mind. Then I found us on iHeartRadio, so I'm going to pitch that in there, too. Check us out on some of your other streaming services, guys. We're on iHeartRadio, Spotify, all this stuff. Uh, (laughs) But anyway, I saw what the Graphically Novel crew had reviewed, and I said, makes perfect sense. I'm going to have to do this. The Once and Future King by T.H. White. The Legend of King Arthur, uh, taken from He Was a Young Lad, up through his kingship. Very, very interesting read. I thought I knew more of the Arthur legend than I did as, as I'm going through this. And I'm still not finished with it. It's about a 35-hour audiobook that I'm about 20 hours in. It's it's quite a haul. It's quite a slog But there uh, in some places. But there is multiple, multiple uh, books <laughs> compiled in here. Uh, to give us the uh, Arthur legend. So, The Once and Future King by King Arthur. Or, I mean, by King Arthur, by T.H. White. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not a small book, but it's a, I, I really like that one. I, I, think, I think I still prefer La Morte. Uh, yeah. It's just the original. It's my favorite. It's probably not the original. It's probably Legends for Centuries. But the T.H. White, <laughs> Once and Future King, is great. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. And, and that La Morte is on my radar. Um but yeah, that that's definitely on my radar. Once I finish this up and kind of wash it away with some with some Harry Potter and some some other things that I've been going through. But yeah, this is this is really fun. I really enjoyed the uh, the take on Merlin living backwards. Yeah, and not knowing what's happening and what's already happened, you know, and what's going to happen. I, I love that part. 
<laughs> See, you, you get this, this shows you the way I grew up. You guys are talking about the, these collections of novels and stuff. I read the classics illustrated version <laughs> when I was a kid. I remember those. Yeah. Uh, Sammy, correct me. You're the you're the teacher here. How do you actually pronounce Lamorte? Is it Lamorte or something like that? I've only ever read it. I've never heard it pronounced. <laughs> All right. If if it's it's Lamort Lamort de author. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's what I thought, but I was afraid it was something different. Anyway, you hear the only time that that e becomes sounded if, if it has the uh, like like the little tick mark over it. I can't remember what that's called, but and the that's the, yeah, that's usually. <laughs> French and starts getting into that type of thing. So, anyway, uh, <laughs> I don't actually care. People hear my accent and just assume I'm mispronouncing things anyway. So, <laughs> but I, I'm up next and let me start my timer. And this is a uh, follow up. So, last week, Sammy pitched to Noah Holmes, and it was such a resounding uh, affirmation of the quality of that movie. But I had to watch it right away. I, it had been on my list. Me and the girls were planning on watching it, and they were kind of hemming and hawing and watching Whack Fu and Yu-Gi-Oh and all kinds of nonsense. And finally, I one evening, I said, no, we're watching Enola Holmes. And we had a blast. It's a great movie. It's a good time. Um, I need there to be sequels. Uh, apparently, it was a planned trilogy. They were going to make more uh, being sold to Netflix. I'm not sure they're going to do, do that now. <laughs> Millie Bobby Brown shows it. It's a, it's a different performance. She doesn't. This is not Aladdin. This is a whole different uh, character. She's. I thought it was very impressive. Uh, it shows that she's got range. Um, the cast, just in general, it wasn't. I mean, <laughs> Superman was Sherlock Holmes. And after you get over like having a dude that swole. <laughs> <laughs> that era of England. Would you, would you make your peace with that? I mean, <laughs> I think it's great. Um, the whole cast, even people I didn't recognize, were really good. The cast was really impressive. Um, the story was entertaining. It was involving. And it was kind of a little bit twisty and turny, especially for like a, a wide you know, level story. Um, but the real appeal of the movie was the heart and warmth um, that it had. And it was just this movie that kind of got you on its side. And you were kind of rooting for it to be good by the end of it. I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. So my keeping with Hunter is in Noah Holmes. Cool. I just, yeah, I, I mean, I agree. Uh, Cavill is a very different picture of Sherlock Holmes. When you picture Holmes in your head, Basil Rathbone will always be the picture that I see in my head. Uh, so Henry Cavill is quite, quite a different looking fellow. <laughs> <laughs> the only dudes that size in the 1800s were lumberjacks. There's no way <laughs> some bookworm detective had shoulders like that. Yeah, he was getting more than his share of calories. <laughs> yeah, str- circus strongman. That's about it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So I guess I'm rounding out Keep It 100 this week. And um, I went with a comic book series, but specifically one that my co-host Jamie suggested. Immortal Hulk by Al Ewing and Joe Bennett. And, man, it was excellent. Um, I'm still reading through. I was hooked immediately. Um, As a child of the late 70s and 80s, I was immediately struck by the um, homages to the Incredible Hulk television series. There are parts of that first arc that if the Lonely Man theme was playing, it would just made it perfect. Um, The inclusion of, of a new character, Jackie McGee, which was so great because that's such a clear connection to Jack Colvin's character, Jack McGee from the series. Um, The story is strong. I love Bennett's art. I liked him when he did Deathstroke over on DC, and I've really enjoyed his Immortal Hulk. Uh, Plus, face it, the Alex Ross covers aren't exactly something to sneeze at. They're great. Um, And so all these are really just a few reasons that the Immortal Hulk makes this week's Keeping It 100. Joe Bennett is the perfect artist for that series because he's yes. good at the weird, and that thing just keeps getting weirder. Oh boy, does it ever! <laughs> so the, the the one below, and <laughs> I'm I'm almost on issue twenty at this point, and I, I just sit down and just for two days I did nothing but just read issue after issue after issue. Is so. Betty back yet? Yes. Has anything interesting happened with Betty yet? Uh, it's hinted at. Okay, then I'm not saying anything else. Okay. <laughs> we, can, we can move on now, Dwayne. Okay. 
<laughs> well, as Gomez Adams said to Fester, it's showtime. So as we get into our opening thoughts and grades, Jamie, why don't you lead us out of the gate on this one? This was a very uh, familiar experience to rewatching Men in Black. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe I'm just not crazy about Barry Sonnenfeld directed movies. I was going to say, are you developing a Sonnenfeld allergy? <laughs> Hold on a second. Let me see if I can shuffle back and predict your grade. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> I like this movie, but I don't love it. And I don't like it as much as I remember liking it from when I was a kid. Because I think I was like 10 years old when this came out. And so, I mean, I was in the sweet spot. Um, it's just, it's okay. And I actually, and there's, I actually remember the sequel a lot better than this one. And I was in memory wise, I was importing scenes, like whole storylines, <laughs> the second movie into this one. Um, and they've got one gag, man, and they just flog it. I mean, just, yep, get it. We get it. You're dark. Uh, let's, how many more dark one-liners are we going to do? And by the end, it was a little much. Um, but I, I did still have a good enough time. I'm going to give it a B-. minus. Okay. Uh, I just don't love it. Yep. All right. Okay. I, I get that. I can, I, I can get that. You know, as, as far as this movie, you know, like, like so many people, I was a huge fan of the Adams Family television show. Um, thank you, TBS, once again. You know, we always go back to TBS and WGN, it seems like, for our, our, our go-tos. But TBS showed this in syndication constantly. Um, I was just always enthralled by the cast of characters. Uh, to me, the Munsters were that direct connection to Universal Monsters. The Adams Family were more a nod to... I guess what I would consider gothic horror, you know, that little strange, almost German horror type of, of thing that you see. Um, but I think they also represent almost an interesting, maybe sociological idea. You know, the concept of what makes a family unit, what bonds a family together. I think you could use this as a good example. Um, I think the Adams family is, is, is a perfect example how different, how families can be different but what really counts is that they look out for one another. And I think even in this movie, you see that. So this adaptation isn't a perfect movie. It's not even a perfect homage, but it's still enjoyable. I went B plus. Okay. Well, um, yeah, I remember also Sam, you know, seeing this thing on repeat, you know, reruns syndication, constantly as a youngster it was always on you know when you were home from school or late at night you could always flip to the channels almost and find like you said either this or the monsters you know um and, and i was thinking about the different styles that they had there you know the monsters was almost like a beatnik kind of uh, kind of a hippy dippy comedy this was a little bit more a little bit deeper you know it's almost french poetry as as uh you know raul julia as gomez would say that, that's french um but uh, yeah, you know the Adams family. They you know they they do what they want to do. They they live how they want to live. They say what they want to say. And they play how they want to play. You know, don't and, hurt them, Hammer. It just you know, it just it just, just <laughs> this is actually you know I, as I was watching this, I really found myself enjoying it. I really found myself smiling at different times. And it had been so long, I had completely forgotten ninety eight percent of this movie. You know, I knew the characters, I kind of knew the feel, but I had really forgotten a lot of it. It had been so long. I really had felt myself having a good time and felt like this was a remake, like you said. It wasn't a perfect remake, not a perfect movie, but it's its own thing, and it kind of works. It, it kind of kind of does it, but it's not great, just like Jamie said. It's not great. I'm going lower than Sam, but higher than Jamie. I'm just going with that middling, just a solid B. Um you know, it's it's enjoyable. It's above average for what it is, but it's not. You know, it doesn't knock it out of the stratosphere. But yeah, so a B with this one. All right, I think I just figured something out. Um, I think Barry Sonnenfeld may have done better than I thought, because you all brought in like nostalgia and fondness from the TV show. Mm-hmm. I despised the TV show. Ah, really? So, so for, if he was able to adapt it up to a B minus for me. That's probably an accomplishment because I hate it. <laughs> hate it. <laughs> the Adam Family TV show. 
And the Munsters were even worse. Yeah. I wanted no part of any of that. Yeah. <laughs> the whole the hour of TBS I didn't need. Yeah, the, the Munsters, I mean, you know, it was re- it, it was what it was. And like I said, it was just kind of that that dumb comedy almost. Whereas this oh. tried to be a little bit smarter, but still was kind of that weird, you know, sideways thing. <laughs> Well, once again, we're back to probably me as a child. I loved both of them so much. <laughs> I watched all the Munsters movies, Munster Go Home. Oh, they, gosh. They, they went to England. I watched every bit of those. Loved them. <laughs> if I saw that Frank and some looking dude walk out or heard the music, it's like, I'm all set. Don't need this. I didn't, I didn't know they did all those things you're talking about. I, I even got, ha- uh, got happy when... Um, I can't remember the the band now, but uh, Uma Thurman when they sampled from oh, the yeah. thing, I even got excited. Fall out boy. Fall out boy. I even got excited when they sampled from the Munsters thing, man. So, <laughs> well, you know, as dusty and dank as that house was, I surely hope they had some ventilation fans keeping the air moving. Let's go see if we have any fans for this movie. Take a trip down memory lane to the old five and dime where Sammy, a.k.a. Comic Book Kid, takes a look at the origin of some of our favorite heroes and villains in his podcast, One Thin Dime, focusing on the golden and silver ages of comics when the cover price was just 10 cents. Check him out every week on your podcast feed of choice, One Thin Dime. Only ventilation of that house was the holes in the walls. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, baby. Well, I would hope in Grandmama's kitchen there was definitely some fans going on there to get that out. Whatever, (laughs) whatever, Whatever she had cooking. I love that she was cooking with Grey's Anatomy and the joy of cooking. Yes. I like when she was chasing the cat. Dinner's going to be late. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, Sammy. That's okay. All right. So I guess I'm leading off fans. Um, You know, once again, this, this movie hits me, hits me in the nostalgia factor. Um, And for me, I love how they do bring back so many great memories I had of the show. There's so many little beats that, that Sonnenfeld in this movie reinterpreted that, that just made this movie strong for me. That's like I said, the reason I went B plus was all of those little things, all the things that endeared Gomez and Morticia and Fester and grandma Ma and all these characters to me, I felt like Sonnenfeld was really channeling, you know, Charles Adams, famous characters. And so it was just, it, it, made me happy and and you know if Dwayne's gonna quote MC Hammer, I'm just gonna say face it, they're still creepy, they're still kooky, and they're still altogether ooky. So I would like to you know, that's my fan. <laughs> okay, we'll leave it. <laughs> I've left them speechless. <laughs> well, you know, I really uh you know as I was watching this movie uh realized you're not remembering the the whole setup of uh fester not being fester you know for for a big chunk of the movie supposedly but he still finds you know meaning in that family they still find a way to include him and and the struggle that that gomez has with you know is it fester is it not fester And, and and bringing that in and the the back and forth there. I just really enjoyed the exploration of the meaningfulness of family and what it means to be inclusive and forgiveness. And, you know, no matter how weird they were and, you know, finding your people, I guess, so to speak, uh, that, that was really a, a bright part of the movie to me was, was just that look at what it means to be a fam- a family unit. Agree. Uh, my fan is similar. Um, my my fan is the relationship between Gomez and Morticia. Um, you don't you don't often see. No, I I, I don't, not, I don't think that relationship's PG thirteen, Jamie. Good, because um, <laughs> I 
how often do do we see mar- marriage like long long term marriage relationships that are like that portrayed in anything in pop culture? Um, they are still madly in love with each other. They're still really passionate about each other. Um, we don't see that, and this movie doesn't just show it; they celebrate it. Yeah. And I love that about this movie because most movies, when they show this kind of, you know, it's been made for a couple of decades, they're tired of each other. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't get the husband out of the recliner. You know, the wife's nagging or just whatever. It's just, something's dysfunctional, something's wrong. They're the Bundys, basically. <laughs> um, you know, it's, but, it's true. It's true. Yeah. It's a really a neat, neat take on. And that. I love that. And I, and I just, I wish it wasn't so rare. But they, I mean, <laughs> it's front and center in this movie. That their their marriage is on screen constantly and they're just they're still madly in love with each other mm-hmm. and Seinfeld doesn't hide from that he celebrates it and I, I love that about this movie yeah and those two actors have amazing chemistry oh they um, were yeah they if, were if I was one of their casting. spouses I'd have had concerns because <laughs> I believe those two people were into each other yeah <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, and you, and you talk about the chemistry that Raul Julia and uh, Angelica Houston had. I mean, you know, it, that this speaks also to another fan that I want to throw down here for all of us. I mean, the casting of this movie, you mm-hmm. know, the way that these actors devoted to these roles. I mean, I think they scored an A plus with the casting across the board. I mean, you know, Raul Julia's, you know, mad insanity as a <laughs> Angelica Houston's cold, you know, just analytical look at things. Um, and Christina Ricci's little weirdness that's going on there. Uh, you know, Christopher Lloyd's insanity as Fester. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's great. I loved it. Every, every, uh, character was, was great to me. I have, I have one exception. I'm not, I'm not going to say in case it's somebody's pan. Okay. <laughs> well, well, let's go ahead and roll through Granny's Kitchen and see if we can dodge whatever's been cooking in those pans. Okay, I think I just snagged my... Nothing's edible on those pans, dude. No. <laughs> <laughs> Well, let's just well, let's just be glad that's not a that's not a, you know being inspected by the health department. Uh, yeah. <laughs> All right, I'm leading off with the pans here, and really, there wasn't a lot that that I could pan in this. And I'm sure if I, you know, sat down and really, you know, took a fine tooth comb through the story, I'm sure there's lots of holes here and there. But one of the things that really took me out of the movie is through the whole movie. You know, uh, uh, Gordon, you know, Fester is played as this criminal trying to infiltrate, but he's falling into love and he's falling into step with with these characters and then you know you have this one scene and i hate it this is my pain and really i could take this for any movie that does this you have the one scene that says oh by the way this is what was happening all along you know it's when they say oh yeah you know they have the one scene there's and i'm like oh yeah he was uh, you know caught up in a fishing net uh found in the Bermuda triangle had amnesia 25 years ago she found him in ra- and you know took to raising him like a child and I was just like, really? I kind of could have done with bites and drabs of that throughout the movie, sprinkled to tell me that history I think would have been better than just, oh, by the way, open up. Here's the spoon. Here's what happened. You know, we're shoving it down your throat. <laughs> that that just really, I mean, of all of the other craziness that you buy into with a movie like this and this cast of characters and story, you know, that sprinkling of of hints and affirmations throughout, I think, would have been stronger and made it a better movie than just at the end. Oh, here's, here's you know, 45 seconds of us telling you what the plot twist was. What makes it even worse with this one, and it, it, that's my pain, by the way, as well. Um, they do it off screen. They don't even do it on screen. They just tell you, oh, yeah, when the lightning hit him, he got his memory back. They don't even right. show it happening. They just yeah. say it happens. Right. Well, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. You know, they show the lightning hitting mm-hmm. him, but then they don't tell you anything that, you know, they don't show the revelation. You know, they don't show that epiphany. You know, they don't show that yeah. burst of realization moment that would have been so great for the story. Well, I mean, it's bad enough when movies do that. And, like, it's a sudden <laughs> thing that changes the whole movie from the end. And it's, just, it's a real quick, too neat fix. That's annoying when they do that. 
They do it here and don't even show it. Yeah. And it's like a, it's a, basically a Marvel post credit scene. It's so <laughs> short and tacked on. <laughs> what is so funny is I love the fact that all three of us watched this movie and all three of us picked out the same thing <laughs> that we disliked. <laughs> I, I agree with you guys. You know, I mean, I had a little minor nitpick on something else, but my major was the Vester story. Um, it, it, you talked about like a, like a, like a, you know, stinger at the end, like a Marvel movie or something, but it's almost like an epilogue. It's like, Oh, by the way. And, and I just think that it had been so much more impactful if it had been more at the, like a climax of the movie. Yeah, exactly. And you would seen the turn Fester's realization that he is Fester. He's not Gordon. And I think it would have been more meaningful as an audience in that lot, especially with, with he starts blending in with the family so much. Yeah. It just and seems he only knows natural. The dance. Yes. Right. And, and things are starting to click with him. Yeah. That are, that are natural. And he's just like, wait a minute, what's going on here? But you know, instead it's like they, they, this movie takes the conceit that their audience is stupid mm-hmm. and said, Oh, by the way, this is what was going on all along. You know, what what it what it feels like to me is they went into like uh, previewing it for those like uh, those I forget, I'm forgetting the term now when they're showing it to test audiences yeah. and it's like they got bad notes back and had to hurriedly refilm the ending because whatever ending they had wasn't working so they got studio notes to go film something new and just tack it on it, it kind of feels like a rushed changed ending or something because it, it's it's jarring. Now I will admit I do have one minor nitpick that I was going to throw out and I think that is thing. Um, I know this is 1991 special effects. I get that. Um, but I think they tried to do too much with thing. Uh, they would They're almost be delivering be- packages. They would almost be so much better served just to do like the original show and have the hand come out of the box, you know, that kind of thing. I just feel like, like they tried to do yeah. too much. And the fact that it was just cut off at the end and just flat at the wrist part, it just, I just had a really hard time with that. Uh, yeah, thing was weird, and I understand them trying to get it out of the box and make it more, you know, part of the of the story and surrounding stuff. But it, it was, it was really kind of jarring of how much of a <clears throat> thing they tried to make out of thing. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, you know, they did the best they could. I think they deserve a big hand. <laughs> and I thought mine was bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was lowering the bar. <laughs> Um, <laughs> I, I did have I did have a backup uh, fan. I felt bad for the kid playing Pugsley because he's not terrible. I mean, he's okay. He's an okay child actor, but he has to be in the Christina Ricci with every in every scene he's in. Yeah, and she's amazing as a child actor. Mm. And it was just rough that the comparison of acting labels there. I, I kind of felt bad for him, and it stuck out. You know. Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're when you're, you know, like you said, you know, he's not the greatest. I mean, he he was serviceable. He, he done well, yeah, he done well. But you know, when you're, you know, when you are beside that, you know, that that was almost a role. You know, she was born to play. I mean, this was one of her major breakout roles. This was one of her first big production things, and this was almost a career defining thing for her. She was in a lot of really dark movies very early on. You know, especially even with Casper. I mean, man, that was a mm-hmm. dark movie. I talked about that being a kids' movie. That was dark, dude. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, yeah, he he had a you know he was he had a rough time. He had a rough go of it. And, and it kind of worked though, because it, I think they always played Pugsley to be kind of a more simple kind of mm. kid, you know. <laughs> Well, yeah, I, you know, I felt I felt that it, it it did work, kind of, you know, but yeah, but yeah, he he was always kind of quiet and, and in the background there. But I, you know, I know our humor isn't getting any awards. Yeah. But do we I have was gonna, any? Oh, go I ahead. Was, I was just going to point out for our listeners not from Appalachia, calling someone sample is code for something much worse than it sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, all I can say is, bless his heart. (laughs) Graphically Novel. Three brothers tackle a different graphic novel each week. 
Listen as the brothers Fugit discuss classic and not-so-classic graphic novels. Subscribe now on your podcast feed of choice. Graphically Novel, three brothers who like each other but love comics. All right, well, let's come back in here with uh, some awards for this movie. Jamie, who are you handing the best performance to? Uh, maybe spoilers for later, but I did the uh, the Sammy Oscar rules here. And so my best performance is Angelica Houston. Um, I'm not always her biggest fan. Um, I find her to be very hit and miss. Um, but I love her as Morticia. Uh, and it's not just the scenes with Gomez. I just, <laughs> she is so bought in to, to being that character in every scene, in every weird scenario she's put in. That, and, and she's so good and, and so sold out for the part that she makes all of the insanity going around her more believable. It makes it feel more like their reality, you know? And that's a hard thing to pull off because I'm not buying a lot of this movie. If if her and and Gomez to a lesser extent, but if if, if not for the two of them, make it reveling in those roles so much, um, I, I, this movie I think would be harder to buy, and so I, that's it's it's quite a job she does there. You know, I was when I was doing some research for this. Um, if you look at the original Charles Adams drawings, um, Morticia's eyes are very kind of slanted and kind of you know kind of pulled back. They use spirit gum and stuff to pull her eyes back just a little bit to give them that look. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, they, they, they like did some type of makeup trick to make her eyes uh, look more squinty like, like the uh, cartoon or like comic strip character. So I thought that was cool. Um, you know, I agree that, that Morticia w- was hands down. She was great. You know, Angelica Houston, I, I think, but her, her father was the lawgiver. So, I mean, come on. Um, but <laughs> sorry, I'm, I'm still on an apes thing, folks. Um, but, you know, I think we've talked on this podcast a lot about child actors. You know, some are very great. The cast of Stranger Things. Others, not so much. Are you an angel? Um, but I think that... Um, Christina Ricci is one of probably the strongest performances in this movie, and she really stands out. Um, she plays this very subtle, off-putting version of, of Wednesday, and I think it just works so perfect. Um, so to me, it just takes Wednesday to a whole new level uh, from even what we saw in the, in the television series. It made her a little darker, a little bit more twisted. And I thought Christina Ricci was great at that. I, I thought it was really impressive that she was doing all of the dark stuff all the time, but there were those few moments where she like let her guard down and was childlike. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, yeah, I just, I was, I was, you're right. That's an impressive performance. I'm, I'm sorry, Jake Lloyd, if you're listening. <laughs> well, heard before. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Um, I'm going to go with, uh, Raul Julia as Gomez. Uh, he was just like Angelica Houston. He was completely bought into the character. And really, if you can't buy those two, you don't have this movie. You're not even finishing this movie. If nope. they, yeah, if they don't buy in and give it a hundred percent, you you don't have this movie. But from him, you know, doing the sword fighting. You know, just ravishing her at every moment he had. Uh, you know, just his oddity, his quirkiness, his um, depression. Uh, you know, at, at losing the house. You know, when he's sitting there watching, uh, watching the what the Sally Jesse Raphael and uh, and eating Fritos. You know, with <laughs> you know, I, I love his portrayal of, of uh, Gomez, and he can be so stylish and classy and dignified but he can also just be that weird creepy slouch you know it's it's around but yeah he was he was great he was great yeah he does gomez with gusto mm-hmm. yeah yeah yep i agree <laughs> well our next award is best scene and sammy what you got 
<laughs> All right. Um, you know, as an educator, I have to say I loved the school pageant. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would be so proud of two students who decided to do something like that <laughs> in the midst, uh, of a school program, okay? The sword fighting, even hitting a little bit of Hamlet in there, um, it was just great. You know, a hit, a very palpable hit. You know? <laughs> the squirting blood <laughs> all over the audience. You know, the squibs were great. The whole front row. <laughs> discovered <laughs> I yeah. so hard and just i just love that scene <laughs> yeah. i'm changing mine i'm agreeing with sammy that is the best scene <laughs> yeah that's that's a great scene and, and it's 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 ton of fun but you know i really wish i had a train set as a kid and i loved gomez playing with the trains as he's you know Dealing with is it Fister? Is it not Fister? You know he's having this crisis, and and as as his mind works, the trains get more intense and more insane, and especially the family's reaction to it. How the family, dad's playing with his trains. You know, like it's like they know this is a thing that he does. You know, when he when he gets off and the 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 crash at the end. You know, and it's almost like these little miniatures but they still have almost the weight of the real thing. It's the diesel, you know, and you <laughs> yeah, I loved it. Oh, that was so much fun. And I agree. It's that intercut between Wednesday and Pugsley and Morticia discussing and then what Gomez is doing. It just makes that, that, that was my runner up scene. So yeah. I, I'm glad you picked that one. Well, I was, I was going to point out how great the party was and the mamushka dance and all that stuff. But yeah. Sammy, Sammy won me over. The, the school pageant is. <laughs> falls to the stage floor. Well, I'm taking best character right out of that school pageant play. And I'm uh, giving the best character to Wednesday. Portrayed by Christina Ricci. I loved her just creepy, detached, you know, psychopath. You know what was it? Uh, you know when they were dressing up as ha- for Halloween at the end. Yeah. So I said, "Oh dear, why, why didn't you dress up?" I did. I'm a psychopathic killer. They look just like the rest of us. You know. Where was coming up? Or when she was walking by with the knife, and Morticia's like, "Is that for your brother?" And she switches <laughs> over to the the cleaver. <laughs> the cleaver. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? I'm going to kill Pugsley. But Mom, I was getting ready to electrocute him. <laughs> oh, all right. Go ahead, then. <laughs> I'm going to agree with Dwayne. Wednesday was the best. She's just so <laughs> weirdly charming. I mean, <laughs> dark and deadly has never been so lovable. Right. <laughs> um, you know, for me, I had to go with Cousin It. Best character, you know, as a a slightly follically challenged person, I appreciate anybody with that much hair. Uh, But um, honestly, I love the fact that even in the television show, it was always portrayed as a ladies' man. And I love the fact that they brought this in the way that he was wooing Dana Ivy's character. It was just, it was hilarious. Then you got his little car. You know, I mean, in the hats. Yes, he always had a little bowler. You know, I just, I, I love that character. I just, it's great. <laughs> that well, well, our next award is one that we've got a little creative with, and so we always do best quote. But um, I was pretty sure every single one of us was going to pick a Wednesday quote, so we're dividing that up. We're doing best quote by Wednesday, and then a best quote by anyone else. Um, so I'm going first on this one and I love when they're, when they've got their poisonous lemonade stand and the girl scout comes up <laughs> <laughs> are those real lemons. She's only eat, only like lemonade that's made from real lemons. So they she offers them a deal, right? Like if you buy some of my girl scout cookies, I'll buy some of your lemonade. <laughs> I love what Wednesday's response is. Are they made from real girl scouts? <laughs> 
Well, Jamie, that was mine, and I didn't even have a backup. <laughs> yep, that was that was that was the best. Are they made for real girls? <laughs> Are they made for real Girl Scouts? <laughs> that 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 was good. I'll, I'll you know that that was on my list. Uh, but do, do I kind of mention my my no? When she's talking about her Halloween costume, and, and just she looks at Margaret, he's like, "What are you, sweetie? Aren't you dressed up?" This is my costume. I'm a homicidal maniac. They look just like everybody else. <laughs> it's like <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> it just fits perfect with her character. Oh yeah, completely. <laughs> But yeah, the Girl Scout thing killed me though. Yeah, that was it. That that was on my my short list there. So yeah, I mean, she's a gruesome, dark little girl, but it's just you can't help but like her. <laughs> All the murder and mayhem she's doing, trying to kill her brother constantly, and you still uh, like her. Yep. And I love the fact that, that we at least did get to see Marie Antoinette. So. <laughs> Or Dolly. Yeah. <laughs> Is that the one that Pugla cut the head off at the beginning of the movie? I believe so, but I'm not for sure. Because remember, even in the old show, she had the doll with no head. And, and the doll's name is Marie Antoinette. Marie Antoinette, so. yeah. 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 Well, and I liked the thing. My, my kids had watched the recent animated Adam's Family. Um, and apparently her pet octopus is heavily featured in there mm. and so my, so uh, my my youngest was asking does this have her pet octopus in it? is it and when it showed the octopus at the f- you know painted on the foot of the bed he's like oh yep there it is you know <laughs> <laughs> well sammy what was your best quote about anyone not named wednesday all right i had to go with a quote from gomez there, once again, he's such so quotable, but when he's talking about the combination to the safe, 2, 10, 11, eyes, fingers, toes. <laughs> that was almost mine. That was almost mine. Yeah, I love that. I was, thinking, so I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> yeah, that was almost on mine, but I'm going with one for Morticia. And it's it's pretty early in the movie, and and she's she looks at Gomez and she says, "Gomez, last night you were unhinged, like a desperate howling demon. You scared me. Do it again." <laughs> <laughs> uh, my mine is a Morticia quote, but it's in a very different context. Uh, <laughs> Marker has walked up to the kids and says. You are too precious for words. Why, I could just eat you alive. And then Morticia responds, Oh no, Margaret, too young. (laughs) You're not ripe yet. (laughs) (laughs) See, I almost chose the one with Morticia and the teacher. When she was like, Oh, she danced naked through the streets. And I told Wednesday, College first. first, (laughs) Oh, don't worry. We've told... She was burned as a witch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, as you can tell uh, by the fun we're having, this movie has a ton of laughs. So our next uh, and final award is Biggest Laugh. So the biggest laugh we had in this movie. I totally was on cloud nine when they had gotten kicked out of the house. Gomez is sitting around depressed and all the family has to go get jobs. And and he's sitting there, you know, watching, you know, like I said earlier, he's sitting there watching Sally Jesse Raphael and calling in and, and doing the stuff. And, you know, you have Morticia reading, uh, you know, fairy tales to the children. <laughs> and they're crying, uh, you know, uh, grandma's ch- you know, like I said, chasing a cat around, uh, the thing is delivering packages, but yeah, but just him being depressed and the transformation from, like you said, this, this gusto, suave, dignified character to this, like, you know, he's just sitting slouched in a recliner you know, in a motel six. You know? <laughs> I'm going to jump in because there was a specific moment in the middle of what you're talking about that made me like really hard. Cause I was, 
I wasn't expecting it. It's he's watching Sally Jesse Raphael. Oh, yeah. You can kind of hear they're talking about like Booty Priest or something. And so he calls in. That's when she responds to him that gets me. Yeah. No, Mr. Adams. We don't know where they're meeting. <laughs> don't call back. Yeah. <laughs> I was so surprised that she knew him. He called that many times. <laughs> that was yeah. good. Yeah. Oh, you know, I, I think for biggest, I, I've got two. One, one's just a little passing thing in the background that cracks me up. Um, and that's, you know, back at the point where where they're doing the lemonade stand and the tombstone pizza billboard in the background mm-hmm. says, what do you want on your tombstone? <laughs> and, and consider just the flavor of the movie and stuff. <laughs> I, I, did, I saw the billboard, but I didn't catch that. I didn't. Yeah. yeah I didn't it says, what it. do you want on your tombstone? That's hilarious. And I was that, too busy trying to read what was on the bottles on the, on the, yeah. on the stand. <laughs> the, the other one that went all on to see is the Mamushka scene. I love the Mamushka. I laughed so hard at that. And just the idea that an Adams danced the Mamushka while Nero fiddled. <laughs> You know, yeah. <laughs> we danced the mamushka for Jack the Ripper. That's right. <laughs> now we danced the mamushka for you. <laughs> well, someone that we would definitely dance the mamushka to is our Keanu. So, how does this quirky, kooky, ooky movie connect? To such a cool character. Uh, you know, Keanu would be good at the Mamushka. Uh, all the all these stunts he does, the you know athleticism, he'd be the, the greatest Mamushka dancer of all time. Um, <laughs> uh, so, um, like I said earlier, this has been a week. Um, I actually found the Keanu connection while stuck behind road work today. <laughs> <laughs> It felt kind of appropriate. I was stuck behind a disaster. You know, these people love disasters. Anyway, uh, so some movies make an outsized impact on viewers if you see them at just the right time and at just the right age. I think there are tons of people for whom this was true of Star Wars. When I was 10 years old, I had this experience. I'd already seen tons of American action movies, martial arts movies from around the world. My dad was addicted to martial arts movies. I knew all about Hong Kong Kung Fu before the rest of the world did. I'd also seen lots of horror B movies, but all from America. Also, I hadn't seen very many movies aimed directly at kids. (laughs) 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 Uh, Commando was more of what I was watching. Anyway, um, but I hadn't seen many movies from across the pond. I didn't realize that Britain had a very different vibe and different feel to all of their stuff. And so in 1990, I was 10 years old, I saw Witches. It was aimed directly at kids like me. It's pretty dark for a kid's movie, but I was prepared for that. I'd already seen all the Nightmare on Elm Street movies, and I'd seen Jason, and I'd seen Halloween, all that stuff. I was ready for the darkness. I could handle it. But it was the first sort of Anglophile type thing I'd come across, and it made this huge impression on me. The sense of humor was different. Um, the performance style was different. The whole, the way the story was constructed was different from anything I'd seen before, and it made just huge impression on me. It's also the weirdness of witches not having toes for some reason. Uh, they're weird, flat-toed shoes. Always That stuck in my brain. And there's the, 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 the scene where like, the witches transform into the real um, you know, appearance. That, that stuff stuck. And I was the right age. It caught me at the right time. And the star of that movie, and I've never forgotten her as the witch in Witches, was Angelica Houston. She, and she played Morticia Adams in The Adams Family. So she's <laughs> played an even weirder role the year before in Witches. <laughs> but more recently, and more importantly for our purposes tonight, she played the director in John Wick 3. Morticia mm-hmm. Adams. Angelica Houston is this week's Keanu Connection. <gasps> Alrighty then. All right. <laughs> Sammy, have you seen Witches? Now, is that the Royal Doll Witches? Okay. I've not seen the movie. 
I've read the book, but um, and there's a new version now, isn't it? With um, oh, what was it? Uh, my mind's blanking. I played don't know. Cat- Catwoman in the Nolan movies. Help me out. Anne Hathaway. Yes. No, no idea. I, I think so, and, mm. and I may be off on that, but uh, I think there's a new version. But I've not seen that that movie version. I've heard good things about it though. I, I haven't seen it in years, but it was one of those things. That as I was watching her be Morticia Adams, I kept you know kind of remembering her as like the head witch in witches. Witch. Okay. Yeah, and it's just it's, it's just cool. one of those. I was the right age at the right time. Maybe if I'd seen it two months later, it wouldn't have worked as well. But it just landed, right. I mean, on me. And it made this big impression. And, I think uh, they, were, they were talking about it recently. Oh, well, it was an old episode of You're Dead to Me the, for the witch trials. I think mm-hmm. the host mentioned witches. Yeah. It's a good so. flick. Mm, cool. All right. Okay, Thank Sammy, you. I'm going to be factually accurate now. Sammy, why don't you preview the next pick for us? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So so I, I guess I'm still feeling that little bit of 80s nostalgia. That buzz is still there for me. So next week, we're traveling back to 1984 to the sci-fi classic, The Last Starfighter, an early acting gig for our future Ensign Wesley Crusher, by the way, uh, Mr. Will Wheaton. So one of his early roles. Uh, so I, I'm looking forward to to rewatching this. It has been years. Oh yeah, since I've seen this movie. So we'll have to see if it holds up. Yeah, this is one of those movies that I remember. You know, as a kid, just going nuts about any time it was anywhere near. You know, on the TV or at the video rental place. You know, not having the streaming abilities. Uh, you know, the the on demand stuff that we have today. You know, having to wait for something to roll around on on on. You know, one of your you know movie nights on one of your networks. But yeah, this is, I'm, I'm really excited, a little trepidatious um, <laughs> to, 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 to tackle this. Um, you know, knowing how some of these things age has really got me uh, very interested. This thing is, unfortunately, it's not streaming uh, free anywhere. It is three ninety nine, kind of across the board on your rental sites that I found. Uh, just doing a quick search on the Roku search bar there. Um, so you know, like Amazon Prime, Vudu, Google. Uh, you know, it's, it was three ninety nine most places. But unless you're like Sammy, have a copy on your shelf, which I do not uh, be written written this bad boy. I had TBS. I didn't need to buy it. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. We had TBS back in the day. That's right. <laughs> Yeah. Well, as we prepare, as we get at our quarters and go see if uh, if our arcade down the street is going to, uh, you know, recruit us to be a space uh, adventurer, what uh, are we going to do? As we're we... going to dig through the couch cushions, get quarters to go to the arcade. You stole it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to keep it nerdy. <laughs> <laughs>